on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and my guest today is writer-director Justin Chan, and we're talking about his brand-new movie entitled Ms. Purple. Welcome to the show, Justin. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Uh, just so our audience knows, can you tell us a little bit about the plot of Ms. Purple without giving it away? Yeah, uh, Miss Purple is about a brother and sister, Casey and Carrie, who uh, have been estranged. And um, because of an ailing father, they come back together and they re- revisit their past. Okay, and where where did this take place? Where, where did you film it? The, the film takes place in Koreatown, Los Angeles. Okay, and is that where you filmed it also? Yes, that's where we filmed it. Okay, so you wrote this as well as directed it. So mm-hmm. um, tell us a, a, how you, what made you decide to write about something like this? Um, I... I have a younger sister. Um, she's three years younger than me. And, and uh, I always thought that the brother-sister relationship was so unique because, you know, brothers, they kind of kind of just fight it out or rough it out. And sisters can kind of talk it out. But between brothers and sisters, I feel like the communication is a little bit different. And uh, sometimes it's measured or sometimes it's really wild. And But I think that the, the sim- simple fact that, you know, one's a man and one's a woman... The communication tends to be a little bit more complicated. And, you know, I, I wanted to ex- explore that through film. And some of my favorite films have been, you know, Kenneth Lonergan's You Can Count on Me and, and uh, you know, Tamara Jenkins, The Savages. And, and uh, you know, those are kind of inspirations for this film. Well, it's, it is. It's really, it's a beautifully photographed film. And also the the, the score. I loved the music on oh, this movie. Um, so, um, are these the, the cinematographer? Is it somebody you've worked with? before or is this a new cinema who, who did the cinematography yeah Andy Chang is my cinematographer and he also did my previous film Gook and yeah you know we really uh we really spent a lot of time talking about the cinematography what we wanted and you know uh the title of the film is called Miss Purple and in the Korean culture the color purple is the color of mourning someone's death so you know as you saw in the film uh, Casey is is getting ready to put her father for him to pass away so uh, you know essentially she's mourning his death and then the complementary color to purple is green so when you look at the film in sort of the daylight highlight tinges of green and also in the blacks there's they're green and that was motivated by symbolically the things she does for money that are kind of self compromising for the sake of you know taking care of her father and filial piety so a lot of it is to what extent is your responsibility to take care of your parents yeah there's there's a there are a number of wonderful messages uh, underlying in this film without giving anything away i i found what was in the the colors are were very vibrant and um and and, and the contrast is just like you were describing uh, and and yet the film itself the topic is rather on the dark side. So I thought the du- juxtaposition of all the vibrant colors in the movie and uh, and yet the topic of the film w- was really kind of brilliant. I mean, definitely in the way that you did that. Was that a conscious choice throughout uh, with your cinematographer and yourself? Yeah. You know, I felt that... Um you know the, the the topic of death, and the, also that the the topic of revisiting you know old wounds with with family can be very very 
sort of dark and and heavy, uh, I really felt uh, there needed to be some sort of levity to the film. And also, uh, you know, that visual sort of levity I thought was very important. And then also, if you saw the score, you know, uh, Roger Swin did the score and he also worked with me on my last film. And we talked a lot and, and I pushed I pushed him pretty hard to to uh, come up with a score that at times could be, uh, you know, very melancholic and dramatic. But then at other times... Uh, can be very kind of just light and nostalgic. So if you noticed, there is a like more of a classic score in the in the style of maybe an older, you know, film from the '80s, like a John Williams score, where it's recognizable, repeatable, and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know the other the other moments was a very Spanish influenced uh, score with nylon, uh, you know, nylon guitars. Um, you know, and that also is correlated to her exploring outside of her community, which is, uh, you know, uh, her relationship with Octavia, who's a Chicano man. I loved that, too. I loved how you um, used, I mean, the score really is amazing. And I loved how, you know, you, there was a Spanish, you know, theme and also exactly that, the cultures, even though she was going outside of her culture um, and looking, but the similarities in some ways, and and yet mm-hmm. the, uh, lots of differences too, obviously. But uh, I thought that was fascinating. What made you decide to to go there to to explore that? Yeah, so you know, um, Koreatown in Los Angeles is called Koreatown because the businesses and and all that all that stuff is is mostly. Korean owned and all that, but the people who inhabit Koreatown, probably the majority in terms of population is is Mexican or Chicano. Um, and people don't understand, but like that Koreatown is actually uh, numbers wise more Mexican than it is uh, Korean. Um, and I think nobody really pays attention to that. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting for a girl who is, you know, kind of trapped in her bubble in Koreatown, has never had sort of uh, relations with people who are are her next door neighbors, and I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition. Also, um, you know, it's sort of on a macro scale for Casey, our main protagonist, is that you know she feels very alone in the world. Um, but connection doesn't have to only come from your own community. It can come from, you know, uh, you know, a lot of other communities, such as in this film, the Chicano, the Chicano community. And I, you know, I had no idea that that was what was going. That Koreatown was had uh, so much of the of, of that of the um, yeah Chicano community and with you know there. I mean, I thought that was that's interesting to hear that. How did you, um, Tiffany, uh, Chu is your lead mm-hmm. actress and she's absolutely wonderful in this film. How did you find her? Had she, had she been in anything else that you had done before? No, this is our first film. And, um, basically, you know, one of my goals for this film was to find, uh, an Asian American actress and actor that I wanted to kind of put on the map and, and give exposure to, um, so I didn't want to hire 
two more well-known actors i want to i wanted to discover two people and tiffany uh i found her through a uh, facebook uh, we posted on facebook about the casting and she was she was one of the the women who uh who wanted audition wow now that's interesting i i didn't i never heard of anybody uh casting through facebook how does that how does that happen uh yeah well i mean yeah yeah i i looked everywhere i mean i looked through you know friends and also i was on instagram you know trolling just just kind of scouring profiles and direct messaging people so I'm sure a lot of people thought i was a, a creep but um um but yeah no we 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 started posting through facebook through net our own networks and and uh you know T- tiffany is an actress based out of los angeles and and uh you know she's just somebody who who ended up applying uh through facebook and and uh we brought her in and uh we did a read and then and then um and I felt like she had this intrinsic melancholy that I was looking for with Casey. So, uh, you know, the acting part of it, we, we worked on over the course of five weeks of rehearsal. And this is her first major film? Yes. Wow. And she, you know, she's, well, she's stunning to look at, but Absolutely. she does a wonderful job with it, too, as does the actor who plays her brother. Uh, is that Teddy Lee? Yes. And so t- uh, tell us a little bit about him and his background. Yeah, so he's also from Lo- uh, Los Angeles, and he kind of would, you know, he went to UCSD for acting, but kind of, you know, uh, had given up acting. And, and um, I have a close, uh, I have a friend of mine named Andrew Ron. He's also a director. He directed a film called Spa Night. Um, and I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I know you did a big search in for Korean men for your film. Was there anybody that you thought was incredible but just wasn't right for your film? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll send you some tapes. So he sent me uh, a bunch of audition tapes for his film, and Teddy was one of them. And I said, who is this guy? Immediately I, I, I knew he was something special. And and then I, I I had a conversation with him on the phone. He's like, well, I'm not really acting anymore. And and I said, well, you know, like, why don't you just take a look at the script? And, and uh, he was really skeptical about you know, me actually wanting to hire, because I never auditioned him, you know, I just, I just knew he was, he was uh, going to be great for the role, and he was really skeptical, like, uh, if it was even a real film or not, so, uh, um, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. because I'm it sure. just doesn't make any sense, yeah. right, 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 yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah, and, and, you know, he was just kind of like, so I just got the part, I don't know, I was like, yeah, man, just show up. Um, it's for rehearsals. <laughs> the easiest gig he ever will get in his life, probably. <laughs> I think that's why he was he was like so skeptical about it because he really didn't have to do anything. He just, I was just like, yeah, I want, I want, I want to hire you, and and it seemed probably too good to be true on on his end. I'm sure he did think that. Yeah. So then, once he got to the set, how did he feel? Uh yeah. I mean, but he realized it was going to be hard work. I, I pushed both of them really, you know, extremely hard in the rehearsals and. And, uh, you know, um, I'm sure they both wanted to kill me uh, at the time. But I think, you know, I, I didn't really let them watch a cut of the film until Sundance. And I think once they watched Sundance, um, watched the, the film at Sundance, you know, I think both of them were, were pretty proud. That's amazing. So um, talk a, bit, a, bit, yeah, a little bit about your experience at Sundance. Yeah, you know, um, Sundance has been incredibly uh, 
supportive of, of my career and and uh you know i've been there as an actor um but then you know uh with my film gook was kind of uh my sort of welcoming as a as a writer director um so this you know i was just incredibly humbled and and, and thankful to them that they programmed uh my film um in the uh u.s dramatic uh competition and what i was the most uh proud of was that this is a film made for a very modest budget and uh you know probably next sort of cheapest film uh that was uh premiering there was about 10 times our budget and uh you know it just i was really kind of proud and hopeful that you know filmmaking that is still possible as long as you have a great story and 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 uh you know you have a good team and and it doesn't just meet you know just because you have it doesn't always require just a ton of money to make a great film right Um, i was very proud of that right and you know and and you're exactly right i mean you know when you have steven soderbergh you know filming um many of his movies now on an iphone (laughs) which has become his preference i met him at sundance this year and we talked about that a little bit uh so yeah it it, you know that's become his preference he said it's just easier uh to to do it that way i mean he prefers it you know just as a preference over it so what what was the response for you at sundance for the film for miss purple oh it was it was incredible you know like um uh, I always believe that to tell a, a universal story, you have to tell the most specific story um, because it, it just uh, plays into the, the humanity uh, of the characters. And and uh, that's basically uh, the response was, you know, um, this this film and, and the message kind of expanded beyond uh, color lines. And, you know, uh, I think the experience of losing a loved one uh you know i don't care who you are everybody has to go through um so that that, in that sense it was very universal and people from all walks of life uh you know were were coming up to me afterwards and and you know saying oh yeah i have a a brother or a sister like that or i just lost my dad or you know and people like a lot of people were very emotional you know um talking about uh you know you know hospice and and healthcare for their parents and you know not getting any help and you know it just a, a wider range of of experiences that people uh wanted to talk about after after the screenings which was you know why you would what you what you hope for when you make a film like this exactly exactly and it, you know it is it's obviously it is universal themes for all of us you know so it and and how we're all interrelated and our experiences are not separate just because of nationality and you know color yeah. or whatever and i think that's what's so wonderful uh, about movies and movie making because we get to see how universal we all are so. oh yeah i love that yeah that's that's one of the main driving forces uh, for me to make films is is how we're so much more alike than different. Exactly, exactly. And yet, you know, the, with everything that's going on in the world today, there, uh, there's more, to, you know, trying to separate all of us. But, exactly. And rather yeah. than coming together. So your film does that, definitely. There's no question about it. Uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies. And today, my guest is writer director Justin Chan and we're talking about his brand new movie entitled Miss Purple. <laughs> 
Uh, Justin, what's your directorial style? Uh, you know, I'm always trying to uh, figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a work in progress, huh? Yeah, it's you different know, for I, each movie, it, perhaps. It really is, actually. You know, I, I, I um, I'm constantly trying to push push myself and and sort of what I what I think my identity is as a as a storyteller. And um, you know, there are a few things that I feel are important to me uh, that I try to include in every film. You know, one is that uh, you know I'm trying to build bring empathy towards my community and then secondly you know i'm always trying to figure out how i could show through film how we can all coexist and then third like we had just talked about you know how we're much more similar than uh and then you know different uh mm-hmm. in all walks of life but in terms of visual style and and the way i i tell the film i'm always trying to figure out how what's what what is the best what's best suited for the particular project, you know, and, you know, Gook was a black and white film and I really felt that, you know, there was a, there was a period piece and it said 1992 during the LA riots and, and the Rodney King, you know, beatings and verdict. And I always felt like people always thought of that as a black and white issue, hence the black and white photography. But I always thought that there were so many other people affected by those riots, which is why I shot in black and white. And also, you know, being 1992 you know you know uh by this point i think 27 years have passed felt like uh it felt like our there was some distance so i, I want to shoot down black and white with miss purple you know I, I i desired to make it you know in color and and how to tell the story in color was was very much uh you know um thought about and and gook was very much uh, handheld. Uh, a lot of people think Miss Purple is very just handheld, but it's not. If you go back and watch the film, it's it, there's just as much uh, on sticks and tripods as it is handheld. You know, everything. Um, there's very quiet moments that are very steady. Um, right. So you know, the, the, these things are all kind of technical, boring stuff. But but uh, I'm just trying to figure out what is best suited uh, for the story I'm telling. And you know, when I when I write the films. I'm not trying to trying to think in terms of okay, I did this last time, or and and you know, it's more like okay, I want I want to talk about this particular subject or this this theme, and and I just write and 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 as I write, you know, I start to see in my head, but I'm not like I don't set out beforehand and and put parameters on on what I'm trying to do. And that's the best way. To, to allow the um, creative energy to come through you, if you if you don't uh, put boundaries on what you're doing, very interesting juxtaposition though that Gook was filmed in black and white, and Miss Purple is so vibrant with the colors. So I think that's really fascinating just there, and I think your choice of doing Gook in black and white because there are black and white issues, obviously, I think just as you said, was is, is also brilliant. Um, what made you decide to make a movie uh, uh, like Gook? Um, because the, of course those issues haven't changed in all of these years, mm-hmm. unfortunately. We wish they had, but they haven't. Yeah. Um, so what made, how, what year did you uh, make a Gook and why did you decide to make a movie about that? I think I shot that in 2016. 2016. Um, I, sh- I, I decided to shoot that because, uh, my family was uh, uh, looted during the riots, and uh, 
and my dad had a business in Compton slash Paramount, and uh, I remember vividly. I was uh, I was ten or eleven, um, and you know it was the twenty fifth, and it was going to be the twenty fifth anniversary of the LA riots. There was all these documentaries and, and films that were being being made about it, and I just knew that if I didn't kind of share my uh, experience, that the Korean American uh, portion of it would would be overlooked. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people don't know, but but uh, Korean businesses were the, the most affected during the LA riots, and you know be, because of uh, there was a lot of animosity and racial tension between Koreans and african-americans at the time um and you know the a lady named sunja do shot a a girl named latasha parlance in the back and was acquitted with no jail time so there was a lot of anger and tension between the two communities then this la riots thing happened and you know some of the first businesses i were targeted were korean businesses you know and i just thought like okay you know 25 years have passed like let's have a discussion and specifically on a on a more more wider scale like we're still police brutality has become increasingly more violent than it was even back then. That was a beating. Now, now in recent time, there's a lot of shootings and killings and, you know, with cell phones is much more, you can't really turn a blind eye. I wanted, I wanted to explore sort of all those themes. And you're right. We can't turn a blind eye, you know, to it. So what was the reaction to Gook? I mean, did you go to Sundance uh, with Gook? Yeah, we went to Sundance, uh, in in the next division we won the audience award in in that division and yeah i mean we were there 2017 with that film and and um a really great reaction um you know people it really my my hope was that, that the film uh sparked conversation and I, I i i think it did you know a lot of people we i've had a lot of meaningful conversations with with uh about you know you know uh chicanos and african-americans about the time and and it was kind of, it's kind of, you know, um, it's also kind of uh, awesome that that I could speak to the fact that that I my family went through that. You know, it wasn't me on the outside looking in. I'm telling this story from the inside, uh, from personal experience. You know, and and um, you know, if you get a chance, it's on it's on Netflix. But my, I was going to say, my, where where can people go and watch yeah. uh, Gook? It, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, so it's on Netflix. But you know, I will say this: uh, Netflix does this thing called pan and scan, where they just they scan the film and and they cut it to their uh, specified aspect ratio, and they kind of like pan however they choose to. And if you want to see the, the the true form of it without that sort of them deciding where to pan the camera, um, mm. you know, if you if you go and and buy it on I, uh, iTunes or whatever, you you get the real version of it. But you know you can see it, you can see it on Netflix and and um, you know the the guy who plays Mr. Kim uh, across the street at the liquor store is my is my real father. So, oh wow, wow, yeah. Well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. He's uh, he's really funny in the film. Yeah. Oh, well, good. Well, I mean, I didn't know that Netflix did that, so that's a real nice little information for us to all yeah. know. For sure. Yeah. Well, we only have a few seconds left. Where can people sure. see Miss Purple? So uh, Miss Purple uh, debuts, it premieres in Los Angeles September 6th, and uh, then it, it expands to New York September 13th. And then after that, it'll ex- 
expand to most major cities. Okay, great. Because, uh, yeah, wonderful. So I, I highly recommend that you search out Miss Purple. Thank you, Justin, for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you've been listening to the Jam Price Show all about movies, and if you have missed any of our past shows, please go to the website, my website, thejampriceshow.com, and all of the shows are archived there. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show.